Hey there, NFT curious listener. Welcome to another special episode of Edge of NFT. You may or may not have found out we are doing Twitter spaces with the NFTLA Twitter account in collaboration with Howl Labs our partner in promoting NFTLA. And we've had some incredible guests, incredible sessions. We're attracting hundreds of live listeners and it's really been going great. So we wanted to share a couple of those Twitter spaces with you. This episode will feature one of them. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. All right, welcome to another Twitter space session of NFT LA. Co-hosting, we have uh, marketing and communications web three agency and alongside me i have the nfts and stock saker how are you guys doing today what up what up what up i think zach isn't on stage yet man. let's get this dude up here let's get it popping come on zach come here don't be shy all right and along with zach and ben we also do have limaris from holborn security how are you doing Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. No, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. Also, another one of our guests here is Wu from TokenScript. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing great. Amazing. Glad to hear. Now, last but not least, we have our guys from Zertica. Um, we're still waiting for them to come up here. Please, guys, we're sending... Oh, there you go. You guys are here. How are you doing? You can just tap the microphone in the top, in the bottom left corner of your screen, and you can unmute yourself. We need Zach to say what's up too. Say hi, Zach. Hey, how's everybody doing? Let's go. Yeah. How you living? Wait, are your ho- Halloween costumes are they ready? That's the question. Ooh, the clock is ticking. What are you dressing up as, Ben? Um, I already dressed as my Oni character and posted pictures that are as um painful to look at as they are embarrassing um but <laughs> i don't know if i want to put on that makeup again man it took me like three hours just to get it off i'm dressing as the stock market and the crypto market they're just all red <laughs> wow <laughs> wow actually limaris will you mind giving ben a little bit of um advice in regards to makeup i mean he was saying that all of his makeup was a little itchy and stuff and since you're all going red uh, maybe you can give him a little bit of advice there. Uh, my favorite advice is just don't wear the makeup but you know if you have to wear the makeup make sure you wash your face before i guess oh oh yeah oh absolutely um, imperative. Uh, I feel like I would have broken out really bad had I not tried to take the proper steps, but it did take me, uh, probably about three hours to put on everything and three hours to take it off. So, um, am I going to dress as that again? Maybe not, but keep it simple. All right. Okay. Now, uh, let's see if our guys from Sertic, um, can say hi. How are you guys doing? Hello. I'm great. Thank you for asking and glad to be here. Amazing. Yeah, no, we're glad to have you guys here. We got to, we're glad to have the best of the best here, right? So why don't we just kick it over and start a conversation? Yeah, so I think the spookiest thing we could probably talk about coming into Halloween is, is how you could get hacked. Um, I'm not sure if that's how everyone's feeling right now, but anytime there's a hack that hits the news uh, anywhere about any wallet compromisation or a website or something, uh, part of me freaks out a little bit. Yeah, there seem to be some things like, wow, I could take these steps and protect myself. And then you see like these billion dollar hacks of networks like the heck. No one seems to have this figured out. Hopefully we can find (laughs) find some more realistic answers from the experts here. Yeah, I think the spookiest part about everything, and I guess we're on Halloween, so I'm going to call everything spooky and scary, is that, you know, unlike with the normal internet, when it comes to blockchain, you don't really have that customer service. So once you get hacked, you're you're just wrecked. Like there is no recovering it. There is no customer service. There is no reporting and no insurance and no anything. So all the 
things you can do to protect yourself really are preventative because by the time you get hacked, it's too late. Unlike in Web2, where we can recover your systems, we can, you know, sometimes we can recover your data and stuff. It, it's, it sucks. It's like healthcare. Get preventative. You, you know, by the time they've diagnosed the disease, it's too late. It's already in you. But if you, if you take the proactive measures, you live a healthier life. It's, it's security, health, security health. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and like, people wonder like why it's happening. Like, is this you know like failing? But it's it's not so much a bug as a feature. If you build things from you know, cryptography as the foundation, rather than you know older versions of identity, like these are the trade offs you make to to build in you know in this new fashion. I don't think it's so much the cryptography because the cryptography is pretty safe. You're right on that. You know, when we have this self-sovereign blockchain, um, that there is no uh, identity really. Everybody's kind of an anon, and so it, it's hard to have full trust in something that's built to be trustless. Right. That that's one of the great paradoxes of blockchain, and how do we solve that? And um, unlike health. You know, with health, we've been told since we're pretty young, like eat healthy, exercise, do this, do that, so you can be healthy and live a long life. With blockchain, we really don't know. We we don't know what we don't know. There is no. I mean, at Hallborn, obviously, we have best practices that we recommend to our clients, but generally speaking, there's not enough awareness about what the problems are, so people can't protect themselves against what they don't know is out there. That is spooky. Yeah, uh, certainly. I, I think we should. Uh, I think we should separate them. Uh, the, the the best practice, uh, which allows you to uh, you know, build a better product, and the ecosystem. Because no matter no matter how much effort you put into best practice, you can only secure the websites that uses these best practices. There has to be um, some framework work um, to help us to identify uh, which websites are already trusted or which websites are not. And, and it even better to anchor this trust on token instead. So so you don't have to trust individual websites to use the tokens. Yeah, I mean, I would say currently that um, that framework that exists to help you trust a website is the security audits done by folks like us over at Hallborn. Once we look at something, you know you can trust it because we've had multiple professional hackers look at it, make, and, and oftentimes we have a lot of findings. So I'll be sharing some of those more common findings um, lately. But I think that there's two sides to this. You know, there's part of the responsibility falls on the user to do their part. And then part of the responsibility falls on the builder to do their part in building something safe. Right? So there's a lot of moving things here. Yeah, I think you're touching base on a very important point right here. And it's uh, there's part of the secure of, of the responsibility on each side, right? So why don't we break it down a little bit and we go deeper into what those responsibilities are or might be maybe on a high level? Sure. So like for a user side, um, I would say the biggest danger for users is multitasking and being distracted in this new um, kind of attention span economy. When you can't focus, you're really not going to be careful. So you can be doing as much research as possible. You can be an expert NFT trader. But if you're distracted, if you you know aren't paying attention, you become low-hanging fruit. So number one, I would say, is obviously use a hardware wallet because hardware wallets are much harder to hack than wallets that are extensions that are online. Um, the reason for that is because if it's not online, it's not pingable. And if it's not pingable, it's a lot harder to hack. So Hardware wallets are step number one for the users. And step number two, I would say, is really paying attention. You know, um, am I going to the right URL? Sometimes a URL might look like it's the project, but it's actually a different project. Um, and they'll have a zero instead of an O, or they'll have a .co instead of a .com, or whatever the case is. Am I actually clicking on the bio of the right Twitter profile? Is this a legit Twitter profile? Am I looking at the community? You know, you have to do your own research. So how many followers? What's their follower to like ratio? Are their followers even real? If I look at Discord, is it just bots or is it people actually talking? Um, you have to be careful that when you're minting an NFT, you're not asked to download anything, um, which we we have seen in the wild. And, the, you know, there's just there's a lot of good little practices like that that'll help keep you safe. How tragic is it that it still happens that way? You're so right. If you're not paying attention, you click the wrong website or something. It's done. I was I was just in uh, Blur.io's Discord server because there was some confusion coming into the launch where people wanted clarity on how transaction fees and other things were being handled. So I'm in there, I'm chatting with, uh, you know, the, the community manager and somebody was in there and they're talking about, Hey, I deposited X amount of ETH or I was trying to list something for sale and, um, it's not showing up. And he, he sends the transaction address and the uh, community manager was like, Oh, um, you entered into a spoof site 
and it's stolen and there's nothing I can do about it. And you could just like the guy's desperately trying to figure out what he can do. And at that point, there's nothing Blur could do. They're like, sorry. You know? I mean, there, there's definitely several things you can do to protect the rest of your wallet, but you probably can't do much to protect what was already um, stolen. Like, for example, if I entered and I connected my wallet to something malicious, I would probably immediately try to port over everything else that's in my wallet so that nothing else gets drained, right? Because normally hackers, they'll like connect to this stuff, but they won't act immediately. So as long as as long as you're faster than the hacker and you run to exfiltrate and, you know, transfer all of your assets from whatever wallet was compromised to a new wallet, then hopefully you don't get compromised. Hopefully only whatever connection you had and whatever contract you executed is the one that gets compromised. So you might lose one NFT or you might lose whatever you had in a single transaction, but you won't lose the rest of your assets. Like, um, for example, OpenSea, if you're trading NFTs on like Ethereum, OpenSea would have this feature under profile where you can click the extra like dot, 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 you know, you go profile um, every NFT. There's these dot, dot, dot menu bars and you hit transfer all. And it's a very quick way where you can run and try to protect yourself or protect the rest of your wallet, even if you lost that one thing in your wallet, right? And as NFT people, I'm sure you're hoarding um, many good collections. There's also revoke.cash and um, etherscan.io has a token approver checker. This works for Ethereum only and it only works sometimes where if your transaction hasn't like gone through, sometimes you can prevent it from going through. But uh, generally speaking, the only thing you can do is try to protect the rest of your assets because once you sign a transaction, it's gone. Those are great like life hacks to just have those hot keys somewhere just in case. Yeah, definitely bookmark them. Oh, and then bookmarking, that's another really good um, point. Bookmark the websites that you use because they're the websites that you trust. Just today, just before joining this call, there's a Susni swap. Twitter page that claims to be sushi swap and claims to have a sushi airdrop live right now. And there's millions or not millions, but there's a bunch of likes and a bunch of retweets and people going to this sushi.com, but it's like spelled the wrong way. Cause it's Susni. Um, and trying to do an airdrop and getting scammed. And this is online on Twitter right now. I can't wait for Elon to get rid of all these bots. <laughs> oh, um, don't tell me about it. I mean, in Twitter, we've we've seen that for a long time, but also on Instagram, the impersonators, like that's some crazy stuff as well. I'm eager to see like what you guys think of that as well. I hate the impersonators. I will never ask you for money. So um, if you ever get a message from me, just know it's not me. Wait, you're telling me that those two ETH I sent to that address, that, that was not you? Nope. Sorry. Oh. Speaking of I, I will only ask for money. So that's... That's the inverse. It's true. I, I like jewelry, though, so feel free to send me diamonds. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, I don't uh, don't take ETH here, only diamonds. Got to keep it classy. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the, the, the real value. I'm totally kidding. I'm long blockchain. If, we're, if we take the other perspective of, like, the people building community and building products, um, what are, you know, what are some of the pitfalls that you see most commonly um, tripping people up um, and, you know, putting at risk the, their own following. Um, I, I'd say there's a couple of top vulnerabilities. You know, you have an easily bypassed MIT requirement. Um, there's replay attacks. There's high gas cost functions. You can have logical errors. Sometimes, you know, your random number generator or your pseudo random number generator is like weak. And other times you can do reentrancy attacks on um, NFT contracts. So there's more specific advice that you'd have to call me for, and I'd have to spend a whole five hours explaining to you. But those are the top vulnerabilities that we see on the logical side. Oh, no, but we have enough time. We do have enough time. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so like the Adidas hack, for example. When the Adidas hack happened, um, they were smart because they knew that people would want to hoard all of their contracts but they said okay well an individual can only mint two nfts for the adidas shop however a hacker just created 165 sub smart contracts and then individually minted two nfts from those 165 uh contracts and once they executed they would send to the attacker's main ethereum address and then they would self those contracts would like self-destruct and so this hacker was still able to hoard um uh, all of these NFTs because the the mint function was very easy to bypass. There was it was is not that um, it was not that complicated for an attacker wanting to hoard all of these to be able to pull that off. 
I'm going through, uh, I was going through your page right now. I was like, what's some good tips I can pin at the top? I love that you have pinned that you'll never ask for money. You're, you're ahead of it right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I work in security, you know, you, you're on top of it. Uh, Certic, you guys do a scoring system, right? So when we're talking about going in and looking at contracts early on and understanding where those vulnerabilities fall, um, what are some of the things that you see on your end? Um, how are you approaching this market heading into 2023? What's the most prevalent stuff that you're having to wrestle with? Um, yeah, so I think when we talk about like uh, securities, and so, I mean, obviously, uh, what every project should have, like, uh, their contract, like, audited before launching on the mainnet. I don't think there's, like, exceptions. Um, and we talk about, uh, like, developers, like, security engineers. So developers are, like, uh, people that specialize in building softwares. So they, maybe they might not be very familiar with securities or smart contract vulnerabilities. Uh, even if they do, it wouldn't hurt to have, like, a second pair of eyes to look at their code. And like at the end of the day, your code is like managing uh, people's money. And the last thing you want to happen is to get hacked or, you know, users protocol or, or you have the um, protocol to lose the money. And speaking of like NFTs, uh, so for like ERC, so NFT is like uh, ERC 721s. So, uh, so ERC 21 smart contract has, you can use like safe transfer function to transfer NFTs. And what developer might not know is like this function has like a hook. And uh, when the hook, uh, so the hook can get triggered if the NFT receiver is like a smart contract. And um, this is not so well-known behaviors. And this behavior can en enables like a re-entrancy attack. And uh, if NFT project doesn't properly handle this case, it can be exploited. And the impact can range from like um, someone is able to make more NFT they should, or uh, it can cause the uh, project to uh to get hacked and the attacker steal like all the money i think that's the case it's like the uh, nft landing platform the attacker was exploited and to um steal all the assets and yeah so uh security wise like all the projects should like get the security audits from a reputable firm a reputable auditing firm and the cost of the audit is like uh, so small compared to um what project can potentially lost in the, like a hack I, th I think that's a big point. Uh, a lot of people get nervous because the price tag on some of these audits uh, audits can be big, but we're talking about like billions of dollars in some cases in these protocols. Um, and, and for NFT projects, it might even, it, it might look like less, but when we're talking about treasuries, you know, I've, we're seeing NFT sales where they're doing like 14,000 ETH in, in transactions in one year. Like it, there's all this need to really button down the hatches and make sure that that money doesn't get lost. You don't get locked out of the funds, um, that they're not these vulnerabilities people can take advantage of. Um, because when it does go wrong, it goes just horribly wrong. Yeah, I think sticker shock is a common factor that we come across in the industry, but everybody who comes from a background of working at a big company or working at a successful company understands that unless you have your users trust, you don't have users. And if you don't have users, then you don't have anybody to sell to. And it doesn't matter how good your product is. Your product success is driven by user adoption. So if you end up on Rekt, you're going to lose users and people are no longer going to trust you. And in a competitive economy like we're in right now, especially during bear market vibes, where there's limited users actively trading, you want to attract as many users as possible. You want to be the most trusted platform. You want to be the fastest platform. You want to be the best user interface. And you want to have the most... Um, like, you know, the best marketing and the best recognition in the space in order to survive. I mean, NFT projects are, I mean, at this point, they're copy pasta, they're dime a dozen. Yeah, there's some that are trying to be a little bit more unique than others. But as far as NFT marketplaces go across multiple chains, if one fails, I'm just going to switch and I'm going to use a different one that hasn't failed yet, that hasn't been hacked yet. And personally, once you get wrecked, I don't usually go back to using your product. And I don't know how many of you around here would agree with that or disagree with that. It takes a lot of trust. It takes a published public report. It takes a lot of things to win my trust back as a user. Um, it depends and, on how bad it is, right? Like, Well, I mean, yeah. And it depends on who it is as well, because like, for example, if FTX and Coinbase were to get hacked today, they have so much support. They have so many people that I trust that they can actually recover from that versus if a little NFT marketplace that I use on a regular basis that I hadn't even heard of until last month gets wrecked, then I'll probably go on to someone else because it's run by five people and I don't trust that they can fix it. No, that's just... 
eventually people will people will have an idea of which websites are trustworthy and which websites are not and the nft projects which have bad reputation will will not stay that's uh, that that's that's what we are going to see um but but there is an uh, there's another problem though so uh, currently people people decide if they trust something based on the brand based on let's say okay this is ape they have done a lot of projects and uh, we trust them but um the ape token take take it as an example will be used on more and more websites so it could be like a thousand websites that allows you to to use it as an ape holder and some of them might call smart contracts and it's really difficult to secure for the ape team to secure the uh, the access to the apes outside of their main website agreed agreed and so you can't you know Maybe you can trust your hard wallet and you can trust your hardware wallet and you can trust yourself that you won't do any shady transactions, but you have to be very careful with what marketplaces you're interfacing with because, and I, you know, we've seen this happen time and time again, where either a marketplace um, gets spoofed or their domain gets compromised, or there's a similar marketplace, like what I just shared about Sussany instead of SushiSwap, which if you're not paying attention, you would glance at it and you think it's real. And if you don't know better and you're not aware of Sushi and you're just getting into crypto, you might fall for that quote unquote free airdrop that's actually going to wreck you. Um, and that's actually a, a scam. So I think to a certain degree, I agree with the trust in the brand, but to another degree, I would say trust but verify and usually just don't trust anything. Um, if you're an advanced user and it's possible, obviously write your own smart contract. If you're not an advanced user, that's okay, but maybe use a more reputable NFT marketplace. Like don't go buying on shady markets and don't go buying on shady websites. Um, depending on your risk appetite, maybe stick to buying on OpenSea because OpenSea is known to be one of the safer ones so far. Or again, it depends on chain and everything. That's a good point that, um, uh, that one should trust nobody. And I recently heard a joke um, uh, over a beer uh, that um, uh, somebody said that they figured out what trustless means in blockchain, because this is really a cryptographic word. And he said that trustless means trust nobody. But actually, it's not, that's not what trustless means. Trustless means um, that if you, run, if you have a smart contract, you don't have to trust the person correctly executed it because it was secured by the consensus. Um, but people are not really getting it from the user level, though. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you receive that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. Right, right. And and it's it's hard. I mean, think about it this way. We're expecting users in Web3 to just get everything when we have users in Web2 that are still struggling. I mean, how many of you don't get calls? I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to a call about NFTs or a, a Twitter space about NFTs, you're probably an advanced user. So you're probably the one that your family calls to fix their iPhone because it's not working or, hey, I have this pop-up. Can you help me or whatever? Like if we're still having these issues on Web2, I highly doubt that these issues are going to disappear on Web3. I think some of these issues in terms of usability and user error and trust they're bleeding over and they're going to be persistent issues um i think it's a matter of just trying to build with security in mind so we're safer by default and trying to make sure that you know when you're shilling to your friends that you're only really sharing websites you trust like stop shilling shit websites to your friends. I'm sorry. Like I, I love DGen products. I love obscure little things, but I'm a power user. I'm a hacker. Like I know how to protect myself. And if I get hacked today, I know how to recover my things. And I don't really care to lose anything on my computer because I don't have a text file with my private keys on it. Right. I just reimage my computer and I don't care. There's nothing on there. Um, versus if there's, you know, you're, you have friends that are asking, oh, what are you buying next? What collection are you doing? Whatever. Maybe tell them about the collection, but don't tell them about the shady, obscure website that you're buying it on. 
Um, only, you know, if you're onboarding your friends and you're shilling to your friends and you're trying to help them go degen, um, you're, you're talking to your Chad friends and you're like, yo, you should become a degen. Like maybe tell them about OpenSea and not some shady website that you found a month ago. I love your love and hate relationship with the with the little DJ website. You said you love to use that. You see see them little. You 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 like the little DJ website. And you said again that there are shady websites and blue sharing. And and I I think I think that that um that actually pointed us to one point one direction of growth that um, in future Web three market uh, Web three space will not be made of only um, uh, NFT project websites and marketplace websites. I think there will be more and more small websites such as the, sh the small shady website. And actu actually, I think they have a reason to exist here. So uh, in Web2, um, uh, if you if you run a website, you um, uh, if it's a small website, you don't have enough trust for users, for example, to pay on your website. You have to link to Google Pay and stuff. So ideally, Web3 will, will have this little website that the users cannot fully trust in the sense that they don't have, they are not afraid the, uh, the website might steal their money, but they still provide some functionality and delicate trust to some already trusted um, Web3 ecosystem, such as tokens. Yeah, I think that we need to get to the point where Web3 feels as frictionless as using your iPhone. You're banking from your iPhone, you're calling your friends from your iPhone, you're storing data from your pictures on your iPhone, you're downloading apps, you're browsing the web, you're doing everything from your iPhone. And unfortunately, I think Web3 is still a little, a little clunky, and a lot of the security issues that we're seeing are people getting onboarded that just don't know better having issues. So I would say, you know, if you're someone who knows better, make sure that you educate those around you. And um, if you're someone that doesn't know better, then ask someone who doesn't do, you know, does know better. And I'm not hating on websites. I love like new projects that came out of nowhere that nobody's ever heard of because they're the most fun to investigate. I just mean that, you know, careful how you shill, careful who you shill to, especially if the learning curve is uh, a big one with whoever you're shilling to. Only recommend shady websites to your other power user friends. Yeah, I agree. But let's let's go back to to those friends who are not that familiar with with this DGN world, let's say. Uh, there's a common answer to when people say or ask any question in the web two space, mostly newcomers, they get this answer that is just do your own research. But people normally just don't understand and don't get uh where where this is actually pointing out to you and what they have to keep in mind. I know, Limaris, you already, you already pointed out a lot of great, good practices, uh, but I want to hear from you guys at CERTIC. Maybe do you have something in regards to, like, how can people do their own research properly and maybe other pointers into what to keep in mind at this point? Um, yeah, so, uh, so, so there's a, like, uh, every day there's a new project shows up and uh, when users, especially newcomers, like get into a space, want to invest, they definitely should do their own research first. Um, so the first, the first thing is like you, sh you when you go to a website, uh, you you can look for like it's like white paper and try to find out what the project is doing, and you should probably uh, try to understand what the tokenomic is. Um, and the second thing is try to see if the project is audited by like a reputable auditing firm, uh, whether it's like ongoing audit or finished audit. If it's finished audit, you should like check its audit report uh, to find out what kind of how many issues are there, whether issues are fixed or not. And another one important thing is in the audit reports, like uh, in, in our survey audit reports, we highlight the centralization risk. So uh, the finding will talk about um, what kind of um, thing, what kind of privileged roads are in the project, and what kind of things those uh, roads can do. Uh, so for example, you see, you see, when you see the project that has a function that can uh, mint unlimited of tokens uh, for, for the owners, that is like a kind of a red flag. And if you and if the uh, country has like backdoors that can transfer users' funds, then that's something certain. That's certain something you should like um, avoid. And so talking about like red, uh, like avoiding bad projects, there's uh, I think there's a list of like red flag uh, that you can like look for. It. For example, the first is like uh, unreasonable high return. Um, if the project ha a promise like a, a couple hundred APYs, right? It's it's like a red flag. No no protocol can uh, give that much returns. Uh, another thing is if you are a little bit technical users, when you go to like uh, when you find out the contract address for a particular project, you can see um, you can check if the project code is verified. So. Uh, for a large part of do your own research is to like for technical users to like read a smart contract code to see what's doing. If it's a contract is unverified, if it's really hard or close to like impossible for users to do that, right? 
Um, and also the other thing is like check for the token, uh, like the holding positions. If a few addresses combines like holds a lot of tokens and there's like a no time lock, uh, then uh, that could be a red flag because they can just, you know, dump those tokens anytime they want. So, so yeah, so, uh, do your own research. And, uh, if you find there's a couple of red flags for the project, like try to stay away from it. Yeah. All right. So we all got to be super careful now because Fox shot is the room and he's former SEC, so we don't want to get in trouble in front of Mr. Foxtrot, but I figured the man, the myth, the legend himself could, could join us. Um, I just pinned something up, and I actually want to get kind of the room's opinion. So apparently there was a loopable exploit on the recent Artifact Mint, um, and I'm, I'm still trying to uncover what that meant. I don't know. I got you. We discovered that earlier today, actually. So there was Beautiful. a whole issue with that. And we had our team. So um, we identified a phishing campaign that was targeting that artifact NFT project. And the campaign was taking advantage of the Remoa Times Artifact collaboration by convincing victims that they could get in early to mint for like a limited addiction collection before the public mint takes place. So it all happened with like the rogue Twitter that led to like a rogue website. Um, the initial access happened through like a token minting contract call using this like a uh, Morales API thing. And essentially, long story short, um, you were getting wrecked if you connected your wallet to it because the attacker was collecting all of the keys and then trying to, well, whatever, he was draining your wallet essentially. Um, and then we were analyzing the code that was executing something through like, I believe in both cases, the attacker was using Google Cloud to register like websites and then was using discord functions or something to um i have details somewhere that i can get back but anyway uh there's about 25 it's so kindly i'm so impressed that you're on top yeah. of this oh yeah there's like 25 different domains that the same attacker with the same code because we, we reverse analyze everything and we could find like it pointing back to several different locations we're still kind of working on it but there's several different domains right now um artifactremoa.com like ikigaibox nft 3877.online i mean there's a bunch of different um websites that this attacker is actively running this phishing campaign through so we'll be posting a blog post about that probably either tomorrow or uh, tomorrow's friday tomorrow or monday I trust me, I'm forgetting day two. But Wolf, right? Like um, those those kind of exploits, they they hit big, they hit hard, and they leave people feeling absolutely wrecked. So it's good that you're you're visible on on the problem. And and you know, I've pinned some stuff up, guys. Uh, make sure to look at the pin post. Don't don't mind my silly costume. But Certic has a great hack report as well. That's live. Um, I I look at these reports occasionally. I I'm just a pleb. I'm, I'm a casual, a dirty casual NFT collector, um, but I like to stay abreast of what's going to potentially wreck me because, yeah, I've, I've vested interest in the space. So I think it's, you know, you, even if you're not developing your own smart contract or whatever, it, sometimes it's good to just read up on what's happening in the world, you know. Yeah, and this is pretty interesting because the command and control communications were happening through the Discord webhooks, and that's how we were kind of able to, like, reverse engineer and track all the other phony domains. So... They're, they're getting smarter. This is an advanced attack. This is not like a, a novice hacker wrecking some, you know, minor vulnerability. This is, this is cool. This does sound cool. This is I, one of my favorite Twitter spaces ever. For, for those of us who are, you know, maybe a little less advanced in understanding what all these risks are, like things like, you know, connecting your wallet to uh, adapt or, you know, interacting with airdrops, whether you, you know, request it or you just find one that has been airdropped to you. Like what kind of risks do each of those come with it and, you know, any similar type of activity that you see out there? It's a scary, scary thing that even if you connect to the wallet and do nothing at all, you might be attacked. Yeah, so um, I would say this is the same with connecting to any website, really. I mean, if you're just on your computer and you collect to a malicious website, then you can be compromised. Um, the difference is, I guess, on your wallet, you have money. So you can probably care a little bit more because of the little bit of monies and the uh, a little bit of NFTs that you have on there. But generally speaking, you should um, look at different things. So you should look at the domains that you're connecting to to make sure that they are the right domain. Like for the artifact, um, the domain was actually pretty clever because I believe it was like artifacts um remoa instead of remoa times artifact or something like that that the website was actually linking to we're going to be posting all those details later but 
uh, you need to make sure that the, the domain is the legitimate one and you need to make sure you're not distracted doing a million other things and that you're not distracted by your FOMO, that you're paying attention to what you're doing every step of the way. When you're executing the smart contract, is this a company that you trust? Is this actually worth this much? Um, is this coming from the real Twitter or is this a spoofed Twitter? Is this coming from the real website or is this a spoofed website? Sometimes you'll see that it'll say artifactremoa.com slash a bunch of garbage slash attackersrealurl.com. So you do have to make sure that you are looking through that whole URL. And, you know, as far as users go, unfortunately, there's not much you guys can do as novice users. It's just don't trust things that really are not high trust like i would i would stick if you were brand new to nfts and to trading nfts i would stick to the main websites that everybody uses that everybody trusts like OpenSea or like i don't know what the, uh solana is probably like magic eden or solana art or something and whatever the website is on whatever chain that you choose whatever is the more um trusted one for that chain with the most users and the most volume volume is a big indicator if you have the most volume going through one marketplace they're probably one of the more trusted um marketplaces to be using as far as connecting your wallet if your wallet does get wrecked like i said earlier if you have a hardware wallet um then if your hardware is taken offline then the hacker might eventually try to attack it but when he executes a smart contract if your wallet is offline then it doesn't really do much um also you if you do notice that you are connecting to something suspicious you can like i mentioned earlier go onto the website called uh um what was this website etherscan io token approver checker or the revoke.cash website to try to cancel those transactions can we, can we pin those links uh danny can you like post and then got it got it got it key to bookmark tool now, it, let's say I'm using a reputable marketplace like OpenSea, and I notice some just some strange tokens got airdropped to me. Uh, like, should I be worried, or are the things I want to do and or not do? Yeah, so, so that depends on a lot of different. Oh, let's search and do that. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, so so uh, airdropping like scam coin is one of the uh, I guess um, unique attack vectors that like scammers use to uh, attack users. So in one of the uh, case uh, cases happening in the past is like um, when uh, so so suddenly you a uh, user find out he has some like a token gets airdropped to his wallet and the first thing what the user can want to do is probably just to sell the tokens and to you know get the monies but uh, so uh, so oftentimes those uh, airdrop token uh, malicious airdrop token has uh, the smart contract code is it's gonna stop you from selling them. And uh, when you want to, when you try to investigate, like what's ha what's happening, like why I cannot sell it in like a blockchain explorer, such as like Ether scan, BSC scan, uh, it, it's it's gonna it, it would it would display like a message saying, hey, this is why you cannot sell. Please go to this website to unlock your token or something like that. And honestly, what and if the user visits the malicious site and like follows those steps in the malicious site, like connect your wallet and sign the transactions. And when that happens, your assets can, you know, all gone or be lost. Um, and because, uh, so the attacker might want, might uh, trick the user into like signing a transaction to approve the attacker to use his tokens or move his like uh, uh, NFT in, in like a smart contract, right? So for for like token airdrop, so make sure the token is come from like a trust sources. Uh, for example, a couple of years ago, when I get like UNI token from Uniswap, right? I, I, I kind of know that's something I can trust. But uh, if just if 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 some days there's like a, a random token uh, suddenly appear in your wallet, uh, you know the uh, I will probably just ignore them and not to interacting with so those tokens at all. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. 
Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white label marketplaces, as well as their highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes you Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. I think like for, I get airdrops all the time because I have like a bajillion NFTs and I can never tell if I'm getting a legitimate airdrop or not. And so for a while I heard people being like, well, you know, you, you go and you click the sale button and it'll drain your wallet. It's not that though, right? Like you, you would have to like sign a transaction that would give them access to your wallet. Cause I'm really careful at reading those on my MetaMask, but it seems like most of the time what I'm experiencing on OpenSea is they're locked tokens and you're going to a website and it, it's saying like, yeah, you got to submit to unlock or something. Anytime I see that, I'm just like immediately it's a scam and, and I hide it. Um, and does it make sense to hide it or should you just send it to a black hole wallet? Like, how do you guys think you should deal with those things? Um, I would say honestly, just not interacting with those tokens at all. And oh, by the way, so make sure you're using the up to date browsers. Because for some updated browsers, you might get attacked by like uh, browser zero days and the attacker might be able to, you know, uh, install some malware or get access to data on a computer. That would be like super dangerous as well. So, yeah. So you heard it here. If you don't know what it is, don't touch it. <laughs> yeah, zero trust. Yeah, Foxtrot, you've been posting a lot about like the Discord scammers. You're still seeing that pretty, um, pretty prevalent, right? Um, actually we've been like more or less, uh, threat hunting, um, like alpha groups. Um, there's been a few that's on my radar. I can't say them cause it's a recorded space, but, uh, they're doing more like a hostile takeover or a whale takeover of NFT projects. So that's where, um, like, and I guess an alpha group will go to like an NFT project. That's like just about to mint out and they'll, they'll promise all these things. Like we'll make sure that your entire collection sells out. And, um, you know, just give us, I guess, X amount of pre-sale or X amount of NFTs or X amount of Ethereum. And so what end up happening in between after mint drop, they'll say, um, hey, look, we have like X amount of NFTs, which is which would which would be a lot. And um, either give us like 5% of overall project or like X percent of overall project or we'll sell all these NFTs below like floor price and sinker project. And so a lot of these brands were like, okay, fine. You get like 5%, like whatever, or X, X amount. And then they'll, if they don't give them, they'll either like flood the project and sell all the NFTs or they're just like sell them all and sink the project anyway. So that's wild. That's, that's, the, that's like a, an exploiting exploitation because that's market manipulation. If you're paying somebody to come in and pump your project anyway, so it's kind of gray hat. So you can't really go anywhere with it, right? Yeah. And so there's like six projects that came forward that report to me this one particular alpha group that's been doing this. So I've been doing like the write-ups all day as I am just recovering from COVID too. So that's fun. And oh, um, I'm sorry. That's why yeah, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, pretty much. And then um, then this happened, This not the same alpha group, but a different alpha group that was doing something very similar about a month or two ago. Um, but they're doing more like they would buy out the NFTs and then, you know, then they'll say like, they weren't even contacting the brand. They just buy out a bunch of them and, you know, then they'll come forward and be like, Hey, look, you have a bunch of your NFTs. So give, give me a percentage of project or we're going to like FUD or, you know, sell below floor. And then that's like whale takeover and hostage takeover. That's a huge thing right now in the alpha groups. So that's where we've been like 
my main. That's where I've been like mainly like hanging out in. Is like those alpha groups. In that second example, is there anything that a project could have done in advance to prepare themselves for that threat? Uh, I would probably say like don't, don't, don't be a part of any alpha groups. To be honest, a lot of them are like every like in my data in my database, there's about like sixteen of them that are like very hostile. Um, but they're extremely welcoming and like that's why in our data models we just we started to like implementing more like psychology um within it. Like like in like there's like good person stance or uh people with authority, like a lot of people with a lot of followers. Um let me get up like a one of my data points. I can like actually just read off for you. Uh, only, only uh, showing love to Young in the dojo right here because my my sensei is in the audience and his alpha group's been pretty pretty chill. So I will say, and it's pretty much like an open Discord, all all inclusive community. But you're right, like that. I don't do any of the paid alpha groups uh, for the most part, and I stay away from people that I don't know their background and shit like that. So. It's it's good for the most part. I think a lot of people want to get on the inside, and the truth is, getting early, getting in early, and being attached to these projects is, is ridiculously lucrative for the people that are able to pull it off. Um, but like, if you get caught up in the bullshit of market manipulation and trying to like, you know, trying trying to trying to game people, like it's going to send you down a really dark path, and you'll end up wrecked. That's that, that's all I got to say. <laughs> So the behavior profiling we have is like, like a lot of misdirection, um, like stalking. There might be like people, like if you've seen your communities, like, I mean, I guess like one person or two, like that's always following you around. That's like, okay. Cause that's usually what happens in Twitter spaces and stuff. But there comes a time where like one of those people might like be in your DMS and, you know, really started like having a trusted relationship with you. If you're familiar with like MITRE attack framework, there's like, I think it's under reconnaissance or initial access. I forgot which one. I think it's under initial access where, where like a threat actor will have like a start forming some sort of like trusted relationship. And so a lot of our behavior profiling is from like different agencies um, about like, it's actually kind of funny and like weird and screwed up at the same time, all mixed into one. But one of the, um, people that I interviewed for like my behavior profiling was like anti-terrorist, like counter-intel or counter-terrorism. And um, I was like describing them how alpha groups are operating. And he's like, well, that's very similar of how like gangs and terrorists like recruit people too. And it's more like the vulnerable people. So if NFTs were gangs and terrorists, oh wait, (laughs) we're we're roaming gangs. Let's be real. So is this alpha group uh, Russian based? No, they're like you. Like the ones that I'm, um, the two I'm doing right now are uh, U.S. There was a Russian-based alpha group when we started uh, our smart token labs four years ago, and there was Scan Project too. And they have an app on App Store that if you install, uh, if you open the app, they will just ask for your private key and steal the money. To be honest, they're not all Russian-based. I've seen those with every country. I've seen those in Latam in Brazil. I've seen them around the U.S. I've seen those every country possible. What surprises me is they use the same name. So they're all called Afro groups. Yeah, yeah that I, might have been from that threat specifically, from that threat actor specifically. Yeah, so like we what we started doing was like like why why would someone join an alpha group? Like starting asking those questions out and like it, like we're interviewing like different agencies, like like why? And then for us it was like, well, if someone Say if I threw in like a hundred dollars into an NFT and that that got rugged, I'm probably gonna shrug my shoulders and be like, "Well, I learned from that mistake, and I'm gonna learn how to do better." And then some people in the space, like if they lose a hundred dollars, like that's a lot of money to them. So they can, you know, they might join like, you know, they might be like going into other spaces and be like, "Yeah, I got rugged," and people will be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Like, "Oh, you should join this like alpha group," and like that's where alpha group like more or less would start recruiting those kind of people to be like, you know, promise of like, you know, oh, we'll help fill your bags. Like you'll make a lot more money um, if you do it our way and you come in, like, you know, we do all the, the hottest trades, you know, and then I'll have like someone that has like a, like a board ape, you know, and people blindly follow those types of people too anyway. So not like they're bad people or not, but it's usually like people with a lot of money or shows that they have a lot of money. And then the person that just lost a lot will join into those groups.
So it becomes like a huge like psych warfare at that point. And then um, the alpha group might show like, you know, a good person stance, like friendliness, like intelligence, like some realm of its intelligence. And so they'll join in these groups and then they maybe start up small, like, oh yeah, all we're going to do is raid this person's Twitter or, you know, or you know, whatever to like pump their, like, you know, boost their product up. And so then it'll start doing those like patterns of like raiding someone's Twitter and getting a lot of engagement. And once they improve loyalty to that, then it'll like move up the ranks until it's like maybe a little bit more, more malicious behavior and it goes on and on. So do do we have scam intelligence anywhere on a number of board apes that are icons of scam artists or like crypto punks that are icons or are they just like plagiarizing, like ripping it? Um, are, Are there actual like board eight yacht club owners like we should look out for and maybe it's not calling them out specifically but like just knowing that there's a number out there of board eight yacht club members that you should be cautious around because as a woman in blockchain i'm very wary of all board eight yacht club holders <laughs> well, sorry to any board eight yacht club holders in the group no sorry to me for the things that i had to put up with at that one board eight yacht club party that was really awkward well, bless your heart for going to a board ape yacht club meet. No, I'm just kidding. my I mean, country it's just came out for a other blockchain meetup. It's just one big sausage fest. Ain't that the truth? Come, yeah. hello, fellow sausages. And uh, speaking of that, to that point too, like, like we're we're talking about cybersecurity and scammers and cybersecurity, and like that's cool. But there's also like a growing threat of like physical security, um, off of what that lady was just like talking about with the board apes um, and sausage fest. But there are a growing threat towards like women in like physical like Can NFT conventions. Um, and so to the point where it was actually in 2021 NFT New York City, um, I was on a phone with some some person I met in a space. Like she was just like she didn't even know like what to do. She just like hey like here's my number, please call me. I'm like having a panic attack. I'm at NFT New York City. I don't know what to do. And I guess she heard me that I was like former like military um, like infantry. Like I was in the reconnaissance uh, unit. And so she like called me up and she said, can you just like, I think someone's stalking me. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And so like we got on video and I was like, all right, well, I was like at my house and like on the computer giving her directions. I can clearly see this guy's like definitely following her. So what I did was I got, like I pretty much got her like onto a different like, train and like mapped her up around all of New York city back to where she was. She lost a stalker after the second train. And then I stayed with her on the phone until she got over the bridge to New Jersey and then gave her like a route reconnaissance plan for like what she should do, like if this was going to happen again. And that kind of kicked off my start to like maybe why don't I partner with some like tactical like NFT projects, which I middle of talks right now where this one group, they're all like former special forces guys. They have this like NFT project and all they're doing is just like training people how to like navigate at conventions and provide like security and teach like people how to like, like if you're at a bar and someone's like, you know, throw like if you're at a bar, like, what happens if someone's like coming at you like aggressively, how to like, you know, most like, exploits ha- happen. A lot of exploits happen IRL, right? Like, you know, we're talking about like virtual vulnerabilities. There's IRL vulnerabilities too. Like, you know, I will be honest, I cannot help myself as, you know, a chronic tinkerer. I love walking around a hackathon and seeing how many laptops are just like unlocked while people get up and go get their food. (laughs) Like, I I love it. You you wouldn't, I mean, maybe you would be surprised, maybe you wouldn't. I'm never surprised by the amount of laptops that are left. And, you know, you might have just gotten up very quickly to go grab something. And it's okay if your laptop is within vision, I guess, because you can see nobody will physically take it. And generally speaking, hackathons are safe, but you shouldn't leave your keyboard unlocked and stuff like, I'm not your keyboard unlocked, but you shouldn't leave like your screen unlocked. You should still at least, um, you know, on windows, it's like uh, windows L I think immediately locks your screen. And I forget the password, the, the shortcut on Mac, but you should always lock yourself out. And apparently some people that go to hackathons and are developers don't even have passwords on their machines and don't even have basic encryption on their machines so you know you can very easily play like a nice roulette game where you're like whose laptop should i steal today and you grab a laptop and nine out of ten times i guarantee you'll have a text file in that laptop with some private keys or something and the laptop doesn't even have encryption and if you're lucky it has password protection but if it doesn't it's super easy to just image that hard drive and like take all the data from it well there you go (laughs) 
I used to do digital forensics and incident response, and you'd be amazed at how easy it is to steal data, or sorry, um, gather evidence. Yeah, gather evidence. That's that's the right term. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> for for the sake of not getting sued, I do not go around stealing laptops. These are just things that's, that that's I, what I got. scientific <laughs> observations. And my scientific observations from attending hackathons is that people do not take care of physical security. Uh, it, it fits your title of mischief manager, and uh, I, I like that against you the, dark the mischief arts. part. That's what I'm here for. I'm teaching everybody defense against the dark arts. Yeah, that's that's what. If you're not doing a hackathon called Defense Against the Dark Arts, um, that needs to happen ASAP. That's that's too great. Um, I, All I right, quick, someone on... sponsor me. God, let's <laughs> do it. Let's do it. We need we need hackathons at NFTLA, Zach. Let's you know. Yeah. Let's get it on. We're working on it. Let's do this. I like it. And actually, I, I really like what Foxtrot was bringing up about um, you know both helping figure out security, like physical, personal security at large gatherings. Um, so yeah, like as a, you know, organizer of NFTLA, I'm, I'm both interested in like how we can make sure we're doing the best job we can on that front, but also how do we, you know, include that kind of education for everyone? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think this has been a great conversation now talking about big events. Uh, there was a big event just happening in Colombia, uh, DevCon, and I know Smart Token Labs, um, the guys from Stock from Token Script, they just had a great development in regards to how token can somehow combat or fight these these what we're just discussing. Like in case somebody leaves their laptop open or whatever, they might have an answer to this, don't you guys? We will. Are you guys there? Sorry, my, my internet cut out very quickly, so I didn't get the last part of that question. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, 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 thank you for bringing this up. Um, so, the idea of to um, token script is basically that the the, the users will trust the tokens, um, because we think that uh, as Web three expands, um, the number of websites that can read or write or operate tokens will be a lot greater than uh, the number of tokens. So, let's say you have ape ape token, you can use it in a hotel, or you can use it on a voting website, or you can use it to book tickets, or you can use it as an identity to log into websites, or such as as an avatar and stuff. But normally, all this would require the users to connect the wallet. So uh, what TokenScript does is um, that um, we allow the token issuer, such as the ape, to create um, secure runtime code, and they're running in the user's wallet and directly connect to the smart contracts. Um, and then they will provide the necessary interaction to the websites. So in a way, instead of connecting to a wallet, it allows you to connect to tokens. Does it make sense? It does. It does. <laughs> I was like, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, yeah. <laughs> she just thumbs down. I think, Dan, you fat-fingered the wrong one. <laughs> I keep fat-fingering, yeah. <laughs> it, it, we're coming up on that time. I don't know if you guys can stay around, but I, I do have to run. I have to be lingering questions. How do you want to wrap us, Danny? Well, I mean, there is there's a pin tweet in the top, and uh, that's the giveaway that we were doing for NFTLA tickets. And I believe we might have a winner in the room. So big kudos and congratulations to at Nathan underscore gold X. Kudos to you. I'm sending you a DM right now from the NFT LA account. You are the happy winner to a general ticket to NFT LA. Now, other than that, I mean, this was just great. I loved every single bit of this conversation. I personally learned a lot. I'm glad that I recently bought a ledger and I moved everything to my ledger. I am going to be aware of live events and leaving my laptop unlocked, uh, even uh, like specifically if I'm near Limaris, because I don't want anything weird happening on my computer. I'm going to delete that TXT file from my computer as well. And uh, I think I think we had a lot of a lot of good learnings. Uh, what do you think, Zach? Um, when I, yeah, I know we had a lot of good learning because I've got more questions than when I started. So I'm learning how much I don't know. Well, let's 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 get these guys. Let's get these guys at NFTLA. Let's you know. I would love that. Get, this has been uh, such I a great conversation. I, it was a great conversation. This was one of my favorite spaces. Um, War Dogs, I see you there. Um, I'm assuming that's Foxtrot. That's that's what you were talking about. That's that's the group you were working with. Uh, they're one of the groups. They're like an Australian group. They're doing more like hardware type stuff. I mean, I'll let him explain, but 
there's a group that's between War Dogs and I that is doing more tactical training, like in like Florida area. Well, guys, we would love to have you guys out at NFTLA, and let's let's talk. Let's see if we can do another space like this. This was really informative. I think we need to continue doing these spaces because this is how people learn to protect themselves. And you know, we get some really fun stories out of it. Um, yeah, you know, even though sometimes they're they're a bit scary to to approach these topics. Uh, you know, there's a lot yeah, of yeah, rug of the week. Things. Yeah, yeah, it's the right appropriate time for it. So, nice. All right, it's kickoff. I gotta go. I gotta go root for the Ravens. Let's go. All right. Good luck. Let's Enjoy go. Everybody. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Limaris. Thank you, Payu. Thank you, Weibo. Thank you, everyone, Thank for you. joining. Thank you. All right. And with that, we will wrap it. Thank you so much for staying here. And if you want to stay for a little bit of music, we'll play one tune and leave you guys to it. Have a good one. Enjoy your weekend. Okay. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. Out, go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.